So I've accomplished stuff. Did you? They can't see my hand waving yeah, side but, to side yeah, but, and the man are saying, yeah, yeah, a little man. bit. I, uh, see, I see a couple words written by hand on this uh, yellow uh, legal pad. No, that was going to be for that YouTube video I did that I just said, fuck, the, fuck it. Just, I, I'm just going to wing it. That turned out well. No, I I did some writing. Been working on my story. Slow going, but it is going. But the news is the outline process for the novel. Yeah. The wheels are spinning now. Okay. I got one name for a character. All wrote right. that down. Okay. Wrote it down. Cemented it. Now I just need a lot more stuff. <laughs> but the wheels are finally turning. I think that's the next project. How about yourself? I'm at a little bit of a of a wall in my in my one story. I just finished a chapter. And I'm trying to figure out what I want to like what I want this next chapter to be. So I think I gotta go back and uh, dig out like my actual notes. It's been a while since Ooh. I looked at them and see if there's like um because I feel like I'm missing something in my initial like idea like outline for you know for are this. these handwritten notes or uh yeah. So if you're like me when you go back to really old notes, you're like, what the fuck does this say? And <laughs> well, then once I you mean... figure out what it says, you're like, what does this mean? <laughs> Well, that could be said of something I wrote five minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> and I came back to look at it and was like, wait, what was I What was I trying to do here? Jan eats potato salad <laughs> aggressively. Where did that fit in the story? Why would I write that down unless it was a main theme to this story? Maybe it shows how aggressive she is with life. Maybe she's a but, feminist and she's very aggressive towards men. But why is it in quotation marks? Is that a title? Did <laughs> I come up with the title? <laughs> is that the title? Jan eats a potato salad aggressively. A novel. <laughs> yeah. No, a memoir. <laughs> by Spencer Church. Why does it say Jan then? Does he go by Jan? Ooh. Don't want to talk about it because I'm going to do um, a video on it eventually. But that coin, ba- uh, Locker Babies, you might have to You might have to read that. What is it? That coin, Locker Babies. Oh, is it was that, that Ryu Mirakami book I'm reading? Oh, okay, the one I showed you with the gross intro with the, okay, we- but the kid's it, wiener. Yeah, but it's not as gross. No, it gets real fall. gross. Okay. Not in like a bad way, but oh my, oh the seediness of underground Tokyo. You would like it. No, though, should this? Do you think this should be my first like Japanese? Yes. yes. Like yes. novel to read? Yes. Because I figured there'd be like a whole bunch of other ones. Like no, like, no, that, you're like, gonna read this one. Like the, the what's the other guy that you like? Haruki Murakami. Yeah, I figure. Are they related? No, Murakami is a one of those sure names where oh, okay, it's like which, Smith. Okay. Uh, but actually, if you go to Japan, they consider Haruki Murakami the Beatles, Ryu Murakami the Rolling Stones. Fun fact. Mm. I don't know if they actually do that over there. That's just what we say because we're stupid in America. But that would be a good jumping point because while Haruki Mirakami is magical and his realism is special and it makes you feel a certain kind of way, Ryu Mirakami appears to be gritty and gross and I should have been reading him for a long time if <laughs> his other work is anything like this. Because you're the kind of guy, let me just throw this out here, Spencer. I don't want to put you in any kind of box, so feel free to tell me I'm uh, wrong. Well, I mean... Well, I, I think I, of Spencer Church. I mean, apparently I also toned people to stone. Yeah. So... <laughs> no, it was diapers. Diapers? Yeah, oh, I said whatever. like Medusa, but it'd probably be grosser. Oh, no, it'd be diapers. Diapers, yes. Kind of goes along with this. Not diapers, but gross things. When I think of Spencer Church, I think of hookers. Okay. Blood. All right. Maybe duty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stabbings. Punchings. Acts of violence, <laughs> aggression, things that go <laughs> clumpy things and mushy things. Just things that are descriptive and yucky. 
That's what I think when I think of you, buddy. <laughs> okay. And all that's in this book? Oh, yeah, and more. There's one scene where a guy with a big lump on his neck gets his lump stab and milky pus comes out. Mm. And when the kid washes it off in the sink, it coagulates into sperm-like stuff that goes to the bottom of the sink. And I'm, I'm, I'm not referring to Spencer individually. I'm referring to what his reading things are, like his comics. Like, what was that one comic you uh, recommended to me with a... I think it had, like, transgendered people or something. But it was, like, a sex... Gross sex bar or something. And guy was getting action in a glory hole, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, a... Not like, an autobiography type of comic. I don't remember what that was. It was really funny. I don't know. Oh, was it, uh... The only thing I can think of like that was, it was uh, called uh, Elboy, and um, it was like written by like uh, James Robertson, and it was like him and the artist ended up like like becoming like the into the comic, yeah, into I the think story, that was it. and like the artist was always running around with like his dick out, yeah, like his huge dick, yeah, and then also like that money shot book you kept recommending yeah. me. I just I feel like this would be your type of read if you want to jump into Japanese fiction. It's a good start. Oh yeah. It's still literary when it comes to, like, the metaphors and stuff, but unlike, say, a Stephen King, it, uh, or maybe just like Stephen King, he just goes into the nasties. Yeah. You know, the stuff you want to read about. The seedy underbelly of the world. The ugly side of human beings. And and freaks, because I'll give you just one little re- rundown here. Everybody ends up in a place in Tokyo called, I think it's called Toxic Town. Mm. For whatever reason, there was some kind of... It's either chlorine or some kind of spill or something. Like, nobody knows how this place got toxic, but it's like cordoned, like quarantined. You can't get in there. It's barbed wire fence, but people break in and they just live there. It's really that's where the like, the underground market is for hooking. Mm. Lots of hookering action, hookering, sex stuff, and uh, fat ladies doing uh, skinny guys with big wieners. He's like that kind of stuff. Nasty stuff. Fucking it's a barrel fish, dead fish. As a wrestler, I'm just gonna ramble on parts that I remember. No, um, so yeah, you're gonna have to check that out. All right, we're going. This, this fucking intro is going too long. Cutting it off. Hard cut. Hey, 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 it is the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Monado Mung Merchant Church. Mm. I don't know where Monado is. Well, I mean, I know where it is because I pointed to it on the map, but I never heard of it. No, that's new. What if we learn the whole world this way? Every country. It'd be kind of sad. Like, if that's what it took. Hey, it's better than nothing. At least we're learning. It is. Let me look up Monado so I know. Uh, it's a city in Indonesia. It's not a country. I'm a stupid, stupid boy. It didn't say Indonesia on that map. Monado is the capital city of the Indonesian province of North Sulawesi. Okay. That's interesting. Oh, um, exactly where that's at. You hey. make the left at the end of the block. Ooh. You make a, a slightly obscure 97.3 degree angle <laughs> at Budapest. <laughs> yeah. And keep you driving for a couple thousand miles. If you hit the Philippines, you've gone too far. You got to backtrack. Today's episode is brought to you by nothing. Nothing as usual. One day, one day I'll be able to say that. Brought to you by Squarespace. Yeah. <laughs> brought to you. 
Yeah, what's the one I keep hearing? Um, not Legal Shield. What's the one that's always in the Myth and Legends podcast? At least where I'm at. Uh, it's a different website maker. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I don't care. I, do you care? You don't care. You don't play a guy who cares about that kind of stuff. No, that was. Uh, that would be nice if we could get ads. I mean, technically we could. Okay. I just don't think we'd make any money off of them. Yeah, not enough money to be worth pissing off the listeners who are like, mm. "Man, I ain't fucking listening to this podcast no more." They got ad sellouts, stupid ads. Today we're talking about twenty books to cozy up with this winter. I thought this would be a good change of pace. Yeah, since we're uh, something wholesome, something uh, a little more wholesome, not butt stuff or scary movies or surge. Um, gross things. Gross things. Um, this is brought to you by ModernMrsDarcy.com. You ever hear about Mar- Modern Mrs. Darcy? I have not. Not a Modern Mrs. Darcy reader? I sworn you were. I don't know who, who that lady is. I'm and, sorry. And this article was written by Anne. So, that's just, a, just Anne? Just Anne. Just a, you look at her. Has a picture. You can't see her face, but there's a picture there. Yeah. Uh, and according to this lady's intro, she does not like winter, so. That's all you need to know. Ooh, 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 Caleb. <laughs> Sorry. I was moving. No, you wasn't. <laughs> Your asshole, baby. <laughs> My asshole was moving. Uh, first up on this list. I like the cover of this. It makes me think of winter. It's a faded blue with a back white ground. It's a, somebody on a horsey. Peace Like a River by author Leif Enger. With the name like Leif, this got to be good. A tragedy, a romance, a coming-of-age story set in the deep North Dakota winter. I had to be talked into reading this novel because the description didn't grab me. But now it's one of my favorites. File under fathers and sons, tight-knit communities, and outlaws. Book club highlight the miracles that happen in this novel and that happen or not in our everyday lives. A beautiful, mesmerizing book for fans of Wendell Berry, Marilyn Robinson, and, uh... Amore Towels. Well, she didn't do a really good job of selling the book either. No, it didn't explain much other than it's got a cowboy book. The cowboy book. Next up, Green Glass House by Kate Milford. I like that cover. That's a cool cover. That man reminds me of like some kind of a Dr. Seuss-esque kids like, book. I'd say like a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory meets uh, Dr. Seuss. Weird. It's got swirls. Yeah, I guess so. If you're going with that. 12-year-old Milo is looking forward to the Christmas season, mostly because his family's inn is sure to be relatively quiet. Milo's plans for relaxation are interrupted when several odd guests arrive to stay at the Green Glass House. Each of the eccentric guests has a story to share, and each story has a mysterious connection to the inn's history. Milo and his friend, Mehdi, invent a role-playing game, casting themselves as daring investigators. When some of the guests have items go missing, Milo and Mehdi work together to solve the mystery of the old house. With sweet characters and an engaging plot, this is a great pick to cozy up with on a wintry night. When you're finished, pick up the sequel, Ghost of Green Glass House. That actually sounds yeah, that wholesome seems, yeah, and nice. I like, guess, see, that does seem kind of... Like, if I want a nice wholesome mystery yeah. where, you know, might not be too absurd, I, I'd like that. And that almost seems like, you know, you know, without knowing, like, what kind of language they use, that almost seems like a good, like... Young A, you know, YA kind of thing, but mm-hmm. does but not terribly like watered down or anything. Yeah, like that. that does seem like an interesting win. I mean, we probably won't have that done for this Christmas, but maybe next Christmas that should be like we should One write Christmas. We, we should write that down maybe for next Christmas. Yeah, I'll put that in my notes. This one, I don't think anybody's ever heard of this book. No, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe: The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I want to give him more of a wrestler intro. Bye. 
Wild West C.S. Lewis. Lewis. That's more uh, monster trucks. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. This classic series begins with four siblings who are sent to the countryside for safekeeping during the war. In a game of hide-and-seek, the youngest discovers a fantastical world hidden in the back of an old wardrobe. There, the White Queen has cast a curse over the land of Narnia, bitch, ensuring that it is always winter and never Christmas. What a fucking slut. The children embark on an adventure full of magic, whimsy, and a fair amount of danger, aligning themselves with, and battling against, unforgettable characters all the way. Um, I will put this in the show notes because these have links not just to buy the books, but it looks like if you hit more info, you probably get uh, a lot more information. It, it it does it covers the whole book, and, you know, more deeper synopsis, but it takes you to a separate page. No, I'm not gonna start over. Um, I never read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but I always kind of wanted to. But at the same time, I'm not a big like kids fantasy. F- yeah, like that's not my. I think it'd be interesting, but even like the movie, I never like I started watching. I was like, yeah, I don't. Care. Yeah, like that's one of the things is like once you kind of it's like like Harry Potter yeah. seemed kind of interesting. Not not like not granted like whenever I was a kid because I wasn't that big into reading that much back then. But like now, like oh, I can see how that could be kind of interesting and you know. But like I wouldn't ever. Yeah. Next up, the Little House Collection by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Winter is the perfect time to get lost in this great series in which the Scrappy Ingalls family struggles to build a life on the American frontier. These nine books... T- I didn't know there were nine of these books. No. These nine books tell the story of Laura Ingalls' childhood and coming of age on the American frontier. Follow the Ingalls family as they move from the big woods of Wisconsin to the Kansas prairie. From a creek... This this would make me... Honestly, I'd probably get really depressed. Yeah. But, oh, America was like a fucking nice, wholesome... I mean, it wasn't really wholesome, but like you can go out and have families and live in the woods and... Well, what about if it just turned, what about, you know, since we never read this, what about if it just, it turns on its head and it's just all about, like, people dying of dysentery and just, like, <laughs> Oregon well, Trail yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Getting a minor cut and dying. <laughs> Got an ingrown toenail and you die. Yeah, check out this article you want to read the lesson. Little House on the Prairie. And we've all seen the show. Same thing. People living on a prairie. Not very exciting, in my opinion. In Little Houses. That's all they have is Little Houses. This is another one I always wanted to read. I, I've heard I've heard uh, conflicting reviews for this. It's either really good or overly descriptive, like descriptive purple prose. So I don't know who to believe. Who do I believe, Spencer? Well, the Goodreads reviewers or the Bad Reads reviewers. It depends on if you want to read it or not. Can we start a website called Bad Reads and we just fucking cover things it, we shit on nonstop. Isn't that Twitter? Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Snow Falling on Cedars by David Gutterson. See, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of... He made a movie on this. Oh, yeah? That's why I thought you would have heard of it. Mm. This lyrical and heartbreaking first novel was set in an isolated, snow-covered Washington State Island town in the 1950s, where a Japanese man stands trial for murdering a white fisherman. The trial brings the town's painful history and many citizens' long-submerged sense of guilt and shame sharply to the surface. Gutterson skillfully unfolds both the history of the town and that of the two star-crossed lovers, layer by layer. See, I actually always thought that sounded pretty cool, like, because it was, uh, I want to say they bring up, like, the Japanese internment camps, and, mm. you know, from World War II in America, and I just thought that was, like, a cool premise. But the, the main thing I heard was that this book is, like, overwritten. Like, there's a lot of dry dialogue, uh, not dialogue, uh, description for things that don't need described. Kind of like a Dean Koontz. Like, you mm. want to hear about a fucking, the crinkliness of a leaf for 20 minutes? Do you? I, sometimes I do. Yeah. Sometimes it helps me put me to sleep. Sometimes I get in a mood from that. 
the guy from American Beauty who videotapes the bag yeah. blowing the wind. It's just always oh, beautiful. It's blowing in the wind. It's so beautiful, like the youth of the faded youth of American teens and nineteen seventies America when the alabaster and the canteens merged into a bottle of turpentine. Isn't, They're just saying things. They just say things. Isn't that movie super creepy now? It was kind of creepy before, but now just with the, the I new... think the thing that really stands out the most is when the uh, in-the-closet neighbor army guy kisses, uh, what's his name, um, Kevin Spacey, and Kevin Spacey projects him. I think that might be a little, uh, like, now you're like, yeah, I don't think he would really want to reject that. Yeah. But I can see how you would think. Everybody always knew Kevin Spacey was a little weird. Yeah. Well, there was always a rumor that he was gay. Well, I think it was obvious he was gay, but I think, like, just... Maybe, maybe like you know, gay, but also a little weird. Like, oh yeah, something with that. Guy. He was like a Juilliard guy. <laughs> I feel like anybody that graduated from Juilliard, yeah, uh, probably a little, little weird. Still life, Chief Inspector Gamachi Mysteries, number one by Louise Penny. I never heard of this feller. Not Louise Penny, the uh, Gamachi Mysteries. I'm assuming that's a a gentleman. In the idyllic small town of Three Pines, Quebec, where people don't even lock their doors. A beloved local woman is found in the woods with an arrow shot through her heart. Shot through the heart. I don't like Bon Jovi, but it, when it comes on, <laughs> yeah. you gotta sing it. The locals believe it must be a hunting accident. I would. Yeah, well, I mean. But the police inspector senses something is off. The story is constructed as a classic whodunit, but it feels like anything but. With its deliberate pacing, dry wit, and lyrical writing, a stunningly good first novel. Still Life is the first in the series that keeps getting better. Great on audio. Ooh. All right, we're going we're gonna to break off here. Okay, breaking. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about all the, like, every time we read one of these things, always talking about, like, the audio version being so good. The audio version. You got to listen to the audio version. Yeah. You got, uh, well, fucking, I don't know, fucking some celebrity. Name any celebrity. Yeah, you got somebody cool. Doing yeah, Christopher Lee or you know, somebody with a great voice. Um, anyway. They're always like, oh, you gotta, you gotta listen to the audiobook. But I just like, I'm not gonna read it and then listen to the audiobook. Yeah. I'd just rather read it. But like that David Goggins book, apparently the audiobook is way better. But then that makes me think, well, what if like it goes back yeah, to. Yeah, because he like adds extra things, I think, in the audio. Yeah. That's the way it makes it sound. But that makes me mad because like, what if we start getting books where people add things to the audio mm. that's different? It makes it better. But then it's like, I just, I like reading those. You know what you do if you want me to re- listen to your goddamn audible, audible book? You have fucking Christopher Walken read that thing. I will read. I will listen to anything. <laughs> he, I think, there's a Christopher Walken Raven rendition. It's pretty good. Oh yeah. Before he got to Christopher Walken, uh, this one is on our list to read for the podcast. It's been sitting there. We actually talked about this. I think last episode, maybe Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. What is it? Why does it have to be winter time to murder people and have a mystery? Maybe we should jump into the summer mystery market because apparently that's not a. Well, because we, I don't think people want to mur- murder each other as much during the summertime, you know. Who Whodunits aren't as fun. You can just go hiking in the woods and <laughs> stuff and, like, you know, go to the movies or whatever. And, you know, you need the bad weather to to entrap people into mm. into an air, into enclosure. Hateful Eight style. Yeah. It was supposed to be the perfect crime, but an avalanche stops the Orient Express in his tracks just before a passenger is found murdered in his berth, foiling the perpetrator's getaway. Fucking, that sucks. That's a tough break for that perpetrator. And trapping 13 potential suspects, each with an airtight alibi. Ooh, that's tough. In the train car with Inspector Hercule Pirois. 
If you've seen the movie, take note. Brenna changes Christie's ending. Hot tip. Dan Stevens' audio narration is fantastic. See, when I read that, every time they talk about the audio, I just think, you didn't read the book, did you? No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but it is easy to say a book is good, especially ones that are overly descriptive, like that Cedars. If you, if you listen to it. If you listen to it. If you actually are reading it, it could become tedious or break and up hard. the flow of the book. Yeah. Um, it could actually hurt, you know. Yeah. Hurt your eyes. It could just make your eyes bleed a little. Uh, but I do really want to read that, and it's not very long, so there's no reason we can't. Uh oh, oh, fucking ad. A clear ad. An ad that doesn't have an ad, but it covers up the page. Yeah. You can still read through it, it just makes it opaque. It's like, oh, good, now it's just harder to read. Thanks. Oh, come on. Get out of there. This one, I don't like the cover. Pisses me off. It, it is weird. It's not so, like, the background's cool. It's just, it reminds me of one of those, like, romance cheap romance type uh, of covers that come out now where people just all use the same image and change it slightly through filters. It's like a lady looking at a, the water from behind. The Winter Sea by Susanna Kearsley. Carrie McKellen is an author looking for her f- next story when she ventures to Scotland. She settles near the ruins of Slane's Castle to write. Drawing, oh, that must be fucking nice just to go to a castle to write. Uh, she settles in the castle. Drawing inspiration from her own family history and the events of the Jacobite Jacobite Uprising with parallel storylines in the 1700s and present day. A romantic subplot and paranormal elements. It's no surprise that readers recommend Kearsley as an author worth binge reading. If you love The Winter Sea and want more, pick up the sequel, The Firebird. That sounds mildly interesting. Like I like the, the location of Scotland and the castle. Um, I feel like the romantic subplot would probably uh, make me not want to read it anymore. Because I feel like in those kind of books, the romantic subplot always takes over. And it becomes, like, tedious. And... Yeah, it's never the main plot, but it's the one that they seem to give the most attention to. I don't like that. It's the main plot without being the main plot. Yeah. Like, they do that in romantic comedy sometimes, where it would be like, you know, like, a friend is, like, the, the two side characters might have something going on. And then at some point, they just kind of never actually focus on those two, because they're not the main characters, but they want to give them their moment and it ends up kind of fucking up the story a little bit like the flow of the movie you're just like i don't fucking care about those two assholes speaking of generic covers this one i really don't like it's just a snowflake winter solstice by rosmunda pilcher i feel like that cover you know winter solstice they could have really did a cool thing because there's a lot of cool winter imagery you yeah. could use it's not a fucking snowflake like if it's okay it's a best-selling author like why would they put any effort into that cover i hope that's like an alternate cover yeah. Well, like, one of them just reap, like, uh... Like a mock-up? Yeah, the, the mass paperback cover or something. In this quiet novel, sometimes categorized as a romance, but don't let that scare you off, five individuals, each dealing with their own painful personal tragedy... Tragedy? Are unexpectedly brought together during the Christmas season in the Scottish countryside. Another Scottish yeah. book. Though they decided not to celebrate the holiday, it's too painful this year, but redemption is found in surprising places... And in the midst of so much loss, love and redemption emerge. The book was a delightful surprise. I enjoyed it so much. I, I would not read that. Not for me. Not Does for it, me. Did, not that it's not that it wouldn't be good. Just don't, doesn't seem like a thing that I would enjoy. Look, we're gonna have to fucking take the we're gonna have to bite the bullet here and dive into a romance novel. We'll have to pick one, and we're gonna have to read the fucking thing. But so we can stop shitting on romance or uh, also an erotica novel. That way we could just say we, we tried the genre and it's not for us. Or maybe we'll like it. 
What if what if you find out like that's your thing, but then you don't want to tell me? So you yeah. just keep reading. I'm like, what are you reading, Spencer? Oh, don't worry about uh, it. Did Stephen King murder on the uh, Saskatchewan plane? Mm. Like, well, I never heard of that yeah. one. It's, it's like an underground one. He wrote it under his uh, third pseudonym, uh, um, Callum Von Kungsucker. Like, what? Mm. Yeah. So don't don't worry about it. Don't look at my bag or nothing. Like, Spencer, is that uh? Some of them Bronte books in there? No, 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 no. Is that Pride and Prejudice you're reading? No, of course not. No, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if, like, you say you were on, like, a real big hit, po- like, a comic book podcast or something, and you're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, like, your fucking copy of Anna Karenina falls out of your bag, <laughs> and the whole guy's like, what the fuck? There's no one looks like, man. Like, I, f- I swear, I was just reading comics, and it, I just, somebody gave it to me. There's pictures in it, I swear. Yeah, it's totally for my mom. It's for my mom. Dude, what is that one? What? And you drop more and more and peace comes out. Oh, you reading Russian literature? No, man. Of course not. Of course not. I, just, I like comics, man. You know. Uh, I just, somebody gave it to me and take it to the library form. That's not all. mine. Somebody put it in my bag without me seeing it. Why does it have your name on the inside jacket? Well, I just, uh, just shut up. They start crying and run away. That would be interesting. I like things that are stupidly <laughs> funny like that. It's like you're ashamed to read and find literature. What would be nice is if we ever got to the point of um, of fame to where people would start like animating the the dumb things we say. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to see a skit based off of that. Uh, the next one. Now I do like this cover because it looks like an old newspaper clipping or something. The Children's Blizzard by David Laskin. An unreasonably warm day in January, 1888 ends in tragedy when an unexpected and violent snowstorm rips through the American Midwest. By the next morning, some 500 people lay dead on the prairie with, man, the prairie sucked, didn't it? With the arrival of the meteorological catastrophe comes the end of the settlers' belief that their new home was a perfect haven, meticulously researched and told through the lens of five families who were greatly impacted by the storm. This will appeal... To narrative non-fiction fans who enjoy reading about little-known events in American history. Yeah, that was something I would read if I was, in, like, getting on the plane and that's why, you know, it was on the rack near the plane. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a book. What's that? Do we do that one? Snow Child? No. No, I have an ad over it. Hold on. Sorry, Spencer. No, I just thought... I just they got Chevrolet here. Well, I was just... Th- I thought I might have just... I thought I, I blacked out for a second and I just might have missed it. Well, I should have skipped this one because I'm not going to be able to say this lady's name. I, I think it's a lady. I do like the cover of this book, though. Yeah. It's a kid playing in the woods, a snowy woods with a wolf. Or a, a fox. 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 What does the fox say? Look, it's like a fox. The Snow Child, a novel by... Who's it by, Spencer? Uh, <laughs> you want... Easy? I would say, I would say Ewan Ivy. Ewan Ewan Ivy. Ewan E O W I N. It's an odd placement of letters. Yeah. It's Alaska, nineteen twenty. I do like things set in nineteen twenties Alaska. Yeah. Just so you know, favorite Alaskan time period for Caleb. Yeah. Nineteen twenties to nineteen twenty-seven. Just in case you ever wondered. It's Alaska, 1920, the night of the first snowfall, which inspires a typically serious couple to indulge in a bit of silliness. They build a child out of snow just for fun. In the morning, the snow child is gone, but in a way that eerily mirrors a much-loved fairy tale. The couple spies a young girl they've never seen before running through the trees. I love the magic-infused story about about love, loss, and the wilderness of nature. (laughs) The wildness of nature. So I had a burp, and I was trying not to burp while I read that. So it seems like that's that that snow... Is a, is a snow person. 
Yeah, it says snow child right there on snow the cover. Child. Yep, that seems what Clearly, happened. the kid was turned into a, the snow, a uh, the snow frosty was, type of character. The snow was turned into a kid. The kid was turned into the snow, and the snow was turned into the kid. I don't know. Does it matter? Uh, Obviously, the snow turned into a kid, but I messed up. And you had to call me out on it. Yeah. Now I feel dumb. Now I had to go commit fucking seppuku over in the corner. Thanks, Spencer. Do you want to chop well, off my head or I chop off my own well, head? Well, you can chop your own head off once we're done with the episode. Oh. I never get out of work. Now, when I read this title, I think of something different than probably need, you know, is intended. <laughs> the next book on this list, Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. Um, when I think of Bear Town, <laughs> yeah. clearly I think a town full of bears, yeah. right? And by bears, I, I mean. I think of Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Huh. Chicago. I was referring more to the bears of uh, um, hairy, human, <laughs> sexual. <laughs> What? Touching huh? guys. I don't... You know. Huh? You know. What? The thing with the yeah. internet on YouTube. No. Porn, yeah, porn chub. <laughs> porn chub? Why is that not one? That should be one, right? There should be a porn chub. I don't even... I wouldn't say for that. <laughs> uh, since we're down this road, did you look up that thing I shared about... You can't have nudity on yeah. YouTube, but if you yeah. look up nude yoga yeah. on uh, YouTube, all of a sudden, yeah. it's just vaginas and butthole galore. You yeah. see everything. I found that actually disturbing. I was like, why is this on here? And it's considered educational. That's why it's on there. But it's not educational. Especially the one from like from the Playboy channel. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's a weird loop I didn't know existed. Now it makes me wonder what other loop can you have like <laughs> naked tennis, naked hockey, naked wrestling, because that could go really awry. Ah, uh, man, I, I'm sorry. That just, I felt, folks, if you are bored and don't have children around, look up nude yoga on YouTube and be shocked. Yeah. Or maybe not shocked. Maybe you've done this before. Uh, I was shocked because I was watching a video about some YouTube influencer person got banned because they had a music video that was, like, it was kind of like that WAP video, like a lot of butt shaking. Uh, Apparently that was too sexualized for YouTube. But then, and then the guy was like, but you could have nude yoga. And I was like, nude yoga? Hattons. Investigate. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later in very sticky palms. Bear Town transports readers to I feel sorry for Frederick Bachman. I just that was a bad transition. Bad segue. Should have took a, a, a pause at least. From sticky hands to reading about his book. <laughs> what if the first thing on here is uh, oh, No, never mind. I'm just, I'm just gonna read it. Beartown transports readers to a tiny community nestled deep in the forest of Sweden, where town spirit is born out of the local hockey league. Of course it is. It's the community's main source of pride and light in the face of hard times. The people of Beartown revere the game and the players, but it's all threatened when the reputation of the star player is called into question just when the team has a big win in sight. Beartown is not just a story about sports. It's about life, trauma, secrets, and loyalty, and hairy men, and... Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not a hockey guy, so I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I haven't been a huge. Like, I get it. Like, you know the the toughness of it and the athleticism of it and stuff. It's admirable. Just, it's just nothing. Like, I ne I never got into it when I was younger. I never really got into sports that I wouldn't be able to play. Yeah, like the sports that I wouldn't like. You don't even have to be really good at just sports that I can at least play. Like Ooh. hockey, I feel like I'd be so awful that Ooh, it'd be. I was like, I can't even skate. So yeah. like, I have no I'm, concept of. I'm not a great skater. And even when we did like field hockey, I just got angry. Or same with lacrosse. I just get yeah. angry and beat people with the stick. So and get suspended. It wasn't worth it. Another book about bears. 
this one, uh, this is a cool, see, this reminds me more of like a fantasy cover. The Bear and the Nightingale, a novel by Catherine Arden. By the way, when I said that earlier about a novel, I, I think that's schlocky. I don't like when people add a novel after the title of the book. Yeah, it's a novel. I know it's a fucking, it's in my hand. <laughs> Clearly it's a novel. It's not going to be, I'm not going to mistake this for a long poem. Sorry, a little rant. In this reimagined fairy tale, set in medieval Russia, amongst snowy landscapes and magical forests, a young girl with a special gift attempts to save her family from the evil lurking in the woods. This fantasy is well-suited for fans of books I love. Naomi Novik's Uprooted, Aaron Morgenstern's The Night Circus, and anything Neil Gaiman. Two more books complete the Winter Trilogy, Winter Night Trilogy, The Girl in the Tower, and The Winter of the Witch, due out January 2019, so that is out. That actually sounds interesting to me. Like, if I was thinking to read a fantasy book, it'd be something like that. And I was surprised Russia hasn't come up on this list yet. Because you think of winter, you always yeah. think of Russia. Next up, In the Mist of Winter by Isabella Fende. Breathing into the mic again, Spencer. It's become a reoccurring problem. Because when you yeah. read your phone, yeah. Yeah. your face is right there. Yeah, right there. And I don't like it, because I can hear it. And then I know when I edit it, I'm like, well, why am I breathing like that? <laughs> like, I don't think that's me. Like, Spencer breathing. <laughs> why is Spencer breathing? I thought he was part robot. Why wouldn't he have robot lungs? It just uh, makes sense. If only. If only. I mean, I know he went hard on the robot cock, but I think he would go with the, <laughs> I think the robot Spend, lungs would be a good idea first. Spent all the money. <laughs> Maybe some, like, you know, upgraded eyes. Even, no, like, some legs so he could jump up. No, just cock. No, I spent all my robot money on the cock. And that's expensive. That was, yeah. a, that was an expensive fix. Uh, In the Mist of Winter by Isabel Allende. In Allende's latest novel, a traffic accident caused by a horrible Brooklyn snowstorm gets the ball rolling, bringing three very different people together to carry out a common mission. As they travel together through the frozen landscape, each character's story is revealed as Allende takes us from present-day New York City to recent events in Guatemala to 40 years ago in Chile and Brazil. Not my favorite Allende, but she sure makes you want to know what happens next. Sounds like a lot's happened in that book. A lot of going-ons. Do you like how I said Chile the proper way? I'm learning. Learning how to say words. I wish these were numbered so I'd know how far we are because I might bail 36 minutes in. One Day in December by Josie Silver. This contemporary romance is perfect for fans of holiday tales like Love Actually. Lori thinks that love at first sight... Ex- raising your hand? Five more. Oh. Oh, I thought you just really liked this book. No, no. no. Or uh, when I read Love Actually, I thought you were like, Me! Yay! Yeah. Oh, God! Oh, I'm the oh, one! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Love Actually. Don't... Oh, don't even get me started, girlfriend. Changed my life. Woo-wee! And if you like that, The Sister of the Traveling Pants. Ooh, that's a fun one. Sorry. This contemporary romance is perfect for fans of holiday tales like Love Actually. I didn't know that was a holiday tale. Is that the movie with Renee Zellweger? Kate Winslet. Was it a movie? It's got to be a movie. I've heard of it. I don't... I don't know why I'm bringing it up because it's things I've never seen. Lori thinks that love at first sight exists only in movies until the day she looks out a bus window and locks eyes with a man who she knows instantly is the one. Probably played by Hugh Grant. I'm just guessing. (laughs) As the bus pulls away, Lori feels strongly that their past... Or or could be, conversely, if it's not Hugh Grant. um, Oh, what's his name? Not Ewan McGregor. The other guy. Jude Law. Oh, Jude Law. Yeah. I feel like it would be Jude Law. What about Matt Damon? Matt Damon! As the bus pulls away, Lori feels strongly that their paths will cross again. She never expects that when they're finally introduced, the man is dating Lori's best friend. Shocker! 
Like other breakout novels in this evolving genre, is it really evolving? I don't think it is. This novel provides a heartwarming story that will sup- with surprising depth. If you're on the hunt for Christmas time read that isn't a Christmas story, this is a. I tried to spice that up, but that yeah. sounds super boring to me. Yeah, no, not my kind of book. But I am gonna look up Love Actually because I want to see who's in that movie now. Love because I just want to see if I was able to perfectly guess the cast and without it, ever knowing. It, is that one of those like where it has like a whole bunch of people, like one of those ensemble cats casts where there's like five different storylines going on? I think so. I was close. I got the Hugh Grant part. Yeah, but he was the prime minister, so I don't oh. know if he's the uh, the lead because I don't know who the characters are. Kira Knightley, surprise! That was a huh. surprise. I didn't think she would be in a romance movie. Liam Neeson, he's also in that oh, movie. Yeah? So is Andrew Lincoln. There's a lot of uh, famous names in there. There was a uh, Renee Zellweger movie where I think she was in like some winter wonderland type of deal with romance. I don't remember. Maybe it was just one of those Bridget Nielsen movies. Not Bridget Nielsen. That's a Flame Flames X squeeze. Bridget Jones Diary. <laughs> Bridget Bridget Nielsen Diary <laughs> would be way more entertaining. She's like seven foot tall. Data Stallone, I think. That would be a book no. I would like to read. That would be a uh... That would be interesting. we got to move this along. It's going to be a long episode. I don't feel like editing that much. The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Let me just say, I actually really like that title, The Great Alone. Yeah. That just makes you like, I like being alone. I think it's great. And that's a cool cover, too, because it reminds you of like a fancy city, but it's in a mountain. It's like a, a lit up street. It's 1974, and Lenny Albright's father, Ernt, a former Vietnam POW, suffers from terrifying PTSD. The family moves to Alaska in search of a fresh start, but they're utterly unprepared for the harsh reality that greets them. I mean, how would you not be? Well, it is the 70s, but I feel like Alaska, you'd be like, oh, that's going to be rough living. As Large Marge says, Alaska herself can be sleeping beauty one minute and a bitch with a sawed off shock on the next. Great quote. Up here, you can make one mistake. The second one will kill you. But she does. That's another great quote. But she doesn't yet know Lenny fears the violence in her own home more than the landscape. As winter draws near and darkness closes in, Ernst's mental health deteriorate, deteriorates. Fuck, I can't say the word. Deteriorates. There we go. Sorry, Spencer. You do good with the speaking, Caleb. I try, but I, I don't know why I do this every episode. I drink a carbonated beverage and it always dries out my mouth and I get, get that that sticky cotton mouth. Um. Anyway, but yeah, this guy's got PTSD and he's uh thinking he's trying to harm this lady in the woods. This is a cool cover. It looks like they're in uh, Antarctica or the North Pole. I, I they have, made the terror. They made this an AMC original series. I can say I I haven't read it, but I watched this the first uh, season of this. Excellent. Uh, it was pretty good. It's basically um. Well, I don't know if you want to read. Uh, let me read it first. Yeah, read it first. The Terror by Dan Simmons. Imagine yourself a crew member on the 1845 Franklin expedition, searching for the legendary Northwest Passage. Now imagine that your ship is fully surrounded by thick, unyielding ice. The men on board the HMS Terror... That's a horrible name for a boat. Right, right? <laughs> what do you expect's gonna happen? The men on, the, on board the HMS Terror feel trepidation at the thought of a second summer with their ship stuck in the Arctic Circle, hoping for a thaw that will allow them to continue on or go home. As time passes, their supplies dwindle, tensions rise, and the men realize that there's something out there, a predator, that they are unequipped to handle. Desperate, the men take on walking across the ice as a last attempt at survival. At 700 plus pages, this novel is full of suspense and icy chill. That's a thick, girthy one. Yeah. Well, but yeah, basically, so like, 
You know, they get. They that get, was a predator, as in the predator zapping you in the head with lasers. No, predator, as in like uh, this weird yeti kind of monster. Ooh, I like that. That you never really get to see because it's always so snowy and cloudy at at night. And uh, like they talk about like uh, walking, uh, uh, because like the um the uh, Inuits there, you know, and then, you know, they don't ever have a good relationship with them. Right. And, like, and then, so, like I said, they're, they're there for a while, so, like, everybody's kind of going a little bit crazy a little bit. I like bit, that, I like that. And stuff like that. Now, like I said, I watched the first season, they did a second season, and it, like, it took place in, like, the, the Chinese, like, uh camps and and you know in america and yeah know, like japanese internment yeah, camps yeah so like i guess they must have just used the name to spin off into like other different things oh that's poopy doo-doo come drops uh, unless if the guy wrote another story that yeah. deals with that kind of stuff i don't i like i don't know but the uh the show was really was was pretty good interesting next up last christmas in paris a novel of world war one this is by hazel gaynor and heather webb I don't know if one of those is a translator or they're just both the author. For fans of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, that is an interesting title. Or is that the Society? Is that a book? I don't know. This this epistatory novel tells the story of a great romance. I've never read that word. I don't even know if I said that right. I would say, what's that even supposed to mean? Epistolary. I don't know. I'm too... Epistolary. Still, what does that mean? Words that I barely can say means I probably don't know what they mean. <laughs> anyway, it's a romance. When the Great War begins, Evie believes, as do many others, that it will all be over by Christmas. As her brother, have you fucking ever heard of that before? Th- people thinking something's going to be over by Christmas? Just, <laughs> is it going to be over by Christmas? I feel like we're living something similar, not or, war, or, but close. Or Easter. Or... <laughs> When the Great War begins, blah, 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 okay. As her brother Will and his friend Thomas leave for the front, they make plans to meet for a holiday in Paris when the war is resolved. As time passes, Evie feels helpless and struggles to find a way to help the cause, while Will and Thomas experience the trials and terrors of war. The letters between Evie and Thomas are candid and heartfelt. Though the title is Christmas E, this book is actually wonderful wonderful for any time of year, so add it to your reading list any time. That actually gives me a good idea. It would be cool if we ever got together and did. We did a, a a novel or a story that would take place in letters to people. Like I would, like my character would be writing letters to your character, uh, so we could each do one half of the letters. So be like I, my character, yeah. So we could move the story forward through the letters, but we would each be writing. So you would write your own story technically, but it would just be your letters like that. It'd just be hard figuring out what that story would be. We'd have to do a big outline, yeah. of everything. Something we won't do, but we no. probably should. That'd be kind of cool. This, this, we have a hard enough time getting one project off the ground. <sighs> if we could quit our jobs. I thought about that all day today. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if I could ever get a book deal, and I got like a hundred, I don't know, $15,000 three book deal. Like, that'd be so great. And just imagine, that's like, I don't know, like three years of paycheck, like yeah. three years worth of your pay, I guess. So I could take it, just take my, I just quit. Would you figure by the time it takes you to write three books? Yeah. It's basically even out. Well, that'd be awesome. You just kind of get it in one lump sum. <laughs> yeah, if you guys begin, that'd be great. Be like the lottery. Uh, Next up. Ooh, that's a weird title. The Vonderbeekers of 141st Street by Katrina Van Glazer. 
I kind of like that cover. It is cool. It reminds me of like a well, it's like old timey New York or something, but it's cartoon. It reminds me of like uh, old covers of the New Yorker. Oh yeah, yeah, I see that. It's just a few days before Christmas when the five Vanderbeeker children find out their landlord will not renew the lease on their Harlem brownstone apartment. Oh, fucking Harlem. Hate it when I don't get my my brownstone. Could you yes. imagine even being able to live in a brownstone in Harlem anymore? The thought of leaving the home and neighborhood that they love puts a damper on their Christmas spirit. But the siblings come together with a plan, convince their Scrooge-like landlord to let the family stay. This perfectly heartwarming middle-grade novel with diverse characters and a charming setting will bring home the spirit of the season into your home. Don't miss the sequel, The Vanderbeekers and the Hidden Garden. I feel like I would hate that book because I would read it through a 2020 lens where I'm just like, if you had a fucking Bill Cosby-style brown house... What is it? A, a, a brownstone? Brown, brown. If you had a Bill Cosby style brownstone house, uh, even if you're just renting it, like you're living pretty good. Yeah. Like in the city, like you can't get high. Like those are probably all turned into apartments now, and the rent is so damn high. I don't too damn high. It's, it's too damn high. So let alone worrying about you know the lease getting renewed, you can't even pay the rent. <laughs> Fucking rent. Is that it? Oh, there's another one. I think this is the last one. Uh, this is kind of a cool cover. All the, see, I hate the generic fonts of a lot of modern books like this. Like, it's just big font on a cover. Like, I want some fancy font. I want the font to be a part of the artwork of the cover. That's yeah. what I like. Like, this is just cover art, then font thrown on top. It's kind of like uh, whenever you see a movie that's, like, going all over the place, and it's just, like, you know, like, Russia. Like, you know. Yeah, what I mean? that's what it looks like. It's just generic font. All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dewar. <laughs> I like that name. It could be Doer, but I think it's Dewar. Two R's, Dewar. A captivating story, well told. The characters in this war novel are fascinating and altogether unexpected. And the book setting couldn't be lovelier. Much of the action takes place in St. Malo, France. A unique walled port city on the English Channel. It doesn't feel overlong. It's 500 plus pages give Dewar plenty of room to build a believable world. And give his characters depth and feeling. An intelligent, detailed, literary novel that will stay with you long after you turn the last page. I read that and I don't know what it's about at all. Like, I <laughs> that's how much impression that, that fucking led on, uh, left on me. Again, this is modernmrsdarcy.com. Check it out in the show notes if you want to buy any of these books or just read more about them. What book on that stood? I like that. Uh, uh, let me look through here. Some of those fantasy ones actually sound interesting yeah. to me. Oh, uh, not the Vanderbeekers. The Terror also sounds like you made that. You sold that. Like that'd be pretty cool. The uh, the green the green glass house. The green glass house. That seems pretty interesting. Bear Town might be interesting. Yeah, most of those seem like they'd be kind of uh, just the romance ones. I'm not a huge. I don't know why winter has to be romance. I don't feel romantic in the winter. I feel cold and irritated. Yeah. Of course, winter, winters in Pennsylvania aren't glorious and snowy blizzards like they used to be. Now they're more just uh. Wet, damp coldness, freezing rain. How many years did we both work in freezing rain? Ah, uh, too many. Just soaked with like no, like uh, we weren't working the kind of job where that's even admirable. We weren't fucking no. National Guard guys. No, we were just out in a parking lot getting soaking <laughs> wet. It sucked. Anyway, I guess I can end this since we're fifty minutes in. If you folks want to donate to Drunken Pen Writing, you can go to drunkenpenwriting.com and give us money. We actually do have a tip jar on there. But you don't have to donate. You can just read our stuff for free because we're nice like that. Yeah. And the Christmas spirit is, you know, it's the time of giving. Um, and, uh, especially during a time where you, you have a 
uh, more uh, free time than you probably do, and you need something to, to get you t- through the day to take up that spare time. You might as well waste that on us. Yeah, give us a dollar, one dollar. If a million people gave us one dollar, <laughs> <laughs> if one person in America would you give us each one dollar, or one guy give us a million dollars, either way, we're good. I would probably have to pay taxes on that, but I don't care. I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Uh, you can go to Drunk Pen Writing on Twitter to follow us. You can go on Instagram and Facebook at Drunken Pen Writing. Uh, like I was saying, I don't remember if I said it on air or not. Probably did. Uh, videos. I'm going to be doing reviews, recommendations, different things on YouTube. Just to get a little more attention our way. And just because I think it would be fun. Because I've noticed I've been reading so many books lately that my... Uh, like, if you ask me about a book, like, a month later after oh. I read it, I I can I can tell you what the book's about, but I can't, like, the details, I kind of forget them, because uh, I'm just so wrapped up in other stories, so I think that would be... Plus creating your own. Yeah, so if I can start reading a, a novel and then immediately re- do just a short review, video review, I think that would help me better remember some of the stuff, because I hate when I want to recommend a book, but then I don't remember anything about it. But now you can be like, hey, you should check out this book, Yeah, watch this goddamn video. Like, for instance, uh, on the my first book recommendation video, I want to recommend Hair of the Dog. I don't remember the main character's names in that book. Yeah. Because we read that over a year ago, yeah. I think, and I really liked it, and I'm like, I could barely remember exactly like what it was about now and or the zombie book or the zombie book i don't remember any of the characters i fuck what would what, what i just that uh i can i just finished that kitchen book by banana yoshimoto what a week and a half ago i don't remember any of the character <laughs> names granted they're japanese so it's usually it's a little yeah but even so i don't remember any of the character names and i just finished that so i need to be able to get my comprehension not, not comprehension Remembering skills, uh, memorization, maybe, I don't know, something. Well, it's just hard, too, with as much stuff, like, because I even get that with, like, comics a lot of time. Yeah. Well, I've also I'll been be... three, reading three things at the same time as well, like, three different yeah. books at the same time. So that kind of muddles the waters. And, yeah, you read a lot of comics, so, like, I know when I was reading a bunch of comics for a while, like, especially if I was reading more than one series at the same time, I was like, wait, wait, what, what, what was I just reading? What, what happened? And then, like, if you forget what issue you were on, you're like, wait a minute, I'm lost. Yeah. Did I read? I do that a lot in books sometimes. Like, you ever drop your bookmark? Oh. And then you go back and like, oh, fuck. Like, you don't remember yeah. what page you were on. So you just start. Sometimes, especially like literary fiction or classic literature, especially, I'll be like, oh, I, I don't remember reading this. And then you start reading it. Like, halfway through, like, wait, I did read this. Lovecraft. Lovecraft. <laughs> Has happened yet? I've done that so many times in Lovecraft where it'd be like three whole pages. I'm like, wait, I did read all this. <laughs> wait, I finished this whole story the fuck lovecraft god damn you just yeah just goes over your head i don't know it just doesn't sink into your brain and stay there it's like it's more like a wave like it washes over you but then once it's gone you're just clear sand again which is probably good yeah if we had to memorize all this stuff we'd be fucking we'd be probably stupid like we would be nothing else in our lives would happen because of just books we'd be crazy people we'd be sitting there going Hey, the war, the, the, the time travel. I'm like, what are you talking about, Caleb? You'd be like an old LSD head. Anyway, that's all we got to talk about. Till next time, keep it classy, keep it sassy, and shake your assy. Ooh, you like that? <laughs> yeah, made that yeah, up on the yeah, dot. I like that. that was good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I come up with nuggets off new, the top. That should be the new sign-off <laughs> for every April, though. I, just, I already forgot what it was. Well, you'll listen to it later. Yeah, I'll remember when I listen to it. 